listen to good worship. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let me, uh, let's talk a little bit about la- what happened last week. What happened last week, church? What was last Sunday? What did we celebrate? The resurrection, right? It was, uh, it w- I think that Pastor Matt did a really good series starting with Palm Sunday, uh, where he uh, asked us to be, and if you're new here, he's, he wasn't trying to be rude, but he asked us to be like a donkey, Okay. And the reason for that is because the donkey comes into the city of Jerusalem. And uh, who is on, on top of the donkey? Christ Jesus. So what he was saying is, you know, let us be like that donkey in the sense that when we go places, it's not about us, but it's about him, about him being glorified. Then on Thursday, we talked about Monday, Thursday, right? And I don't know if you remember, but he uses the story of Peter. What happened to Peter? Peter denied Christ. And what was the animal, I should say the farm animal that Pastor Matt used? The rooster. And what did he say about the rooster? That it, today for us, the rooster is like the Holy Spirit. It reminds us when we miss the mark, but it also encourages us when we are doing the right thing. And he asked us to listen to the rooster. And then finally we get to Easter, and I guess we all know that Jesus is usually referred as the what, what of God. Uh, besides the sun and all that, we're talking about farm animals, by the way. The what of God? Lamb of God, right? So uh, we, I think that Pastor Matt did a really good job at identifying all these different animals. So today, my goal is to talk about donkeys that listen to a rooster to do the work of the lamb. Amen? <laughs> That's what we're going to try to do today. Um, I'm trying to be silly here, I know. But we're going to look at the cross. And I know that when we talk about the cross... Uh, we look at salvation. We look, we look at new identity in Christ Jesus. But today, I want to emphasize a particular angle. And it is the relational aspect of the cross. Jesus came to not only give you a new identity and be saved, but to draw you close to the Father. And today, I know that if you have been in the church for many years, I know that this is a simple concept that you probably know. But what I'm going to try to do today is I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to go, uh, and please hear my heart. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I've just, I've had the opportunity to study a little bit of these biblical languages. And it has been a blessing. And I just, I just want to share a, a few things that I've learned with, with the Lord. And I just want to share, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some Hebrew words and some Greek words. But the point is not to uh, make this look like a class or anything like that. The point of this is just for us to see the depth of the love and the intimacy that he wants to have with you and with me. So are you ready for that, church? All right. So let's talk about quickly about relationships. I think that we all have different kinds of relationships in our lives. There are some relationships that are more, you know, professional. We talk to people. We are respectful and, you know, courteous. They know us to a certain degree. They know as much as, you know, we're able to share with them in the workplace uh, if you go to school, there might be some, you, there, you might have different kind of relationships, right? You may have friends that are just part of the, your class, and, and you have fun with them, and you do things with them, but then you have other friends that you might consider your best friends. These are your friends that you would do the crazy things with, right? You would uh, uh, go to their place and maybe uh, stay overnight and, and, and get to know them at a deeper and, and more intimate level. But then there are other kinds of relationships that are, go even deeper, right, in their uh, intimacy. And that could be their relationship between a, a son and a father. 
They have seen, like as a father, right? I have a baby boy. I'm seeing everything, every stage that he's going through. Uh, and I expect that when he gets to his teenage years, we can be obviously father and son and a friend. That we can have conversations. That we can share hearts. That I, that I can be able to uh, direct him in the right way and things like that. And then I would say that there is even an even more intimate relationship, which is the relationship between a husband and a wife. I think everybody here knows that when there is intimacy in the room, and I'm not only referring to uh, physical intimacy, I'm also talking about mental, emotional, and spiritual intimacy. Uh, there are things that you will share with your spouse that maybe nobody else knows, not even maybe your parents, not maybe even, you know, your best friend. And, and that's because that is a very treasured and very uh, personal, very intimate relationship. Okay, with that introduction, what I would like to propose to you is that God throughout history has wanted to have a similar relationship with you, with the church. And we're going to look at this from different angles. We're going to start in the Old Testament, and then we're going to move into the New Testament. And then we're going to unpack our main verse for today, which is Acts chapter, eight, chapter 19. And we're going to see the concept of being known by God. And that's why the message today is called the power that comes from being known by God. Amen? So what does it mean to be known by God? Let's go to Amos chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Now please know that uh, my desire is not to unpack this prophetic word. Amos is a prophet that we believe uh, probably wrote these things in the years somewhere from like 750, uh, maybe 760 B.C. This prophet is still in the good season for Israel. The Assyrians have not come yet, right? Uh, and then came the Babylonians. No one has, had come yet. So this is in the, still in the golden age. But there was a problem. The problem was that Israel was experiencing the favor of God. But they were not following through with what they should have been doing. And what we have here, and like I said, I'm not going to unpack the entire prophecy that he's writing here. What we have here is a particular aspect of God that I want to highlight. And that is how he loved and treasured Israel. So let's read verses 1 through 2. It says the following. Hear this word, people of Israel, the word of the Lord has spoken against you, against the whole family I brought up out of Egypt. First of all, Amos is using the word family. In verse 2, he says, you only, this is God speaking, you only have, cho have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your sin. Now, if I leave it at that, that's a terrible verse, right? If I just leave it at that, I will punish you for your sin. But if we have all the context, of all the hundreds of opportunities that God gave Israel to repent, and they didn't follow through with what they should have done. This is him saying maybe 20 or 30 years before the Assyrians came, he's saying there's going to be a judgment. But he is slow to anger. He loves them. And what I like is that he says, I have chosen of all the families of the earth you. What does that imply? It implies that Israel is not only a nation, but this is God's 
ideal nation. This is the nation that he wants to share his secrets with. This is this, the nation where he tells all these prophetic words. This is the nation from whom uh, the, the uh, Savior was going to come. This is a nation that is above all the other nations. Not because they were great, but because God chose them. But I want to go a little bit deeper. Because as I was reading this verse in the, in the, uh, in the Hebrew, I came up with a very interesting thing. I, I know that our church uses NIV, but today I'm going to use some other versions too. Because the word that is used for chosen, which is a decent tra- translation, it's good. Um, but it's the word yada. I'm not saying Yoda. <laughs> I'm saying yada. Y-A-D-A. So how about we practice that, all right? Because I want you to leave this room knowing at least a Hebrew word. So look to your neighbor and tell them, I know a Hebrew word. Yada. Go. There you go. There you go. All right. Yada. This, this word has different meanings. This word, I don't know if you have a, do you have some notes for, well, you have them on your bulletin. So in the bulletin, we, we have a, a translation of what yada could mean. In, in Hebrew, it has a very interesting range. It means the following. It means to know, to perceive, to know by experience, to have knowledge, and be wise. It can also be used to, as uh, uh, the word for to recognize, uh, to admit, to acknowledge, confess, be acquainted with. And it can also be known as a word for intimacy, a physical intimacy between a couple. In fact, Fun story. In Genesis 4, when Adam uh, says that he knew, right? And in, cha- in Genesis chapter 4, it says that Adam knew his wife Eve, and they conceived. The word that is used there is yada. So then, with that being said, let's look at maybe other translations that maybe convey this message. Maybe a little bit more intense. So let's look at ESV, the English Standard Version. And in verse 2, he says, you only have I known of all the families of the earth but let me tell you this known is very good i think that we're getting there like we're understanding he knows everything about us he knows everything about israel great but i think we can go even further than that in fact if you know a little bit about jewish uh, scholars there's a great man robert alter he's a jew he has translated the word and some orthodox bibles too and he thinks that the best term is to be intimate and here in the New Living Translation, if we can uh, look at that as well, it says, from all the f- families on the earth, I have been intimate with you. Isn't that awesome? That God the Father is saying, Israel, out of all the families, not just chosen, not just known, but I have been intimate with you. I have yada with you. Are you following me, church? I think this is, this is an interesting concept, isn't it? Now, we can be known by the Father. But then you have, obviously, the first time when we had this amazing yada was at the Garden of Eden, right? It was broken due to sin and all these different things. And God has always been moving in the direction of wanting to reestablish that relationship, that yada that we had at the beginning. So God, obviously, is doing these miraculous things for Israel. 
God, the, the people of God, they know that he's real. I mean, if you see a, a column of fire or if you see some clouds leading a, an entire nation, I mean, you would think, right, God is real. If you see uh, bread, manna from heaven, appearing every day as promised, you would think there is a God. I mean, if you go through the era of, the, of Joshua and the judges, you would think definitely there is a God. But there was a problem. The problem is that God would use specific people that he would anoint and send them and tell them, hey, tell them about this. Hey, tell them about that. And you have Moses with the Ten Commandments. He comes and he has, uh, 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 he reveals who God is, but it's not quite the same because it's not God himself coming to be with his people. He's with them. He's, he protects them. He covers them. But God wants to do more. And here's where we get Jesus. The father is saying, son, I want to go deeper. I want to know them deeper. So with that being said, let's go to the New Testament. And let's go to the book of John. In John chapter 10, we have a different situation, but kind of the same idea. In Hebrew, the word to know, I mean in Greek, my apologies, because the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, which is a Greek that um, if you're a modern uh, Greek, you may not necessarily understand it. It's a little bit different. But Koine Greek uh, is the language of Paul and Luke and all those people that wrote scripture. Um, So in the Greek, we have a different word, which is, depending where you come from, ginosko or ginosko. All right, here's the second time that we're going to try this. Look to your, the person next to you and tell them, I know a Greek word, ginosko. Go ahead. Go ahead, church. Ain't that awesome? So now you know Yada, and now you know Ginosko. But remember, John is, is he a Greek? Is John a Greek? No, right? He is a Jew. So when he's using the language of Ginosko, he's also, in, what is intertwined in all that is the idea of Yada, of being intimate. Isn't that awesome? So let's go to chapter 10, verses 14. Um, through um, 18. And many of us have heard this before, but this is Jesus telling to the people that he is like a shepherd. He's saying in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, Ginosko, right? And I know the Father, Ginosko the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me when I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from the father. And obviously, when you look at the word to know, you can say, well, you know, it just means that the the sheep recognize the voice. But when he includes that the way I know the Father, I would like to suggest to you that Jesus is going even deeper. He's saying it's not just to recognize the voice like jump, and they jump. Move to the left, and they move to the left. But it, it implies that there are, that there is a relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. So now we went from maybe God that on, on the surface might look a little bit distant, right? He uses Moses or an Elijah or something like that to speak to his people. 
And now we go to a Jesus that is saying, it's not enough for me to be distant. I want to dwell among, among them. And now Jesus comes in the flesh, and now he even says, those who follow the, the commandments of God and love him, they are my brothers and my sisters. So we're going in a deeper d- dimension now. It's not just a people of God. Now you're a brother and a sister. Ain't that awesome? Ain't that awesome? So uh, what I'm trying to say here is that when we, the sheep know the voice, it's because they have yada with God. There was a video that Pastor Matt showed a, maybe last year. Uh, I showed it in the, in, the, in the youth ministry as well. And there's this video that you can find on YouTube. There is a, uh, there's a flock, right? There's a, many sheep. And you have these students. These are young adults that, uh, that are studying in this foreign country. And then the shepherd is like, okay, try call, calling them. And then you have the students like, la, 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 right? And then there's like the sheep eating. And they look at them, him and he's like, eh. and they keep eating, right? They don't really do anything. Then you have uh, another student that, that would do something even crazier and louder. And the sheep, now you have maybe more, more heads turning, right? More, more sheep turning. And they're like, meh, doesn't matter. But what I like is that when the shepherd comes, all he did was, whoopa. That's all he said. And we see the entire flock. I'm telling you, hundreds and hundreds of sheep, they come to him. Isn't that awesome? Like, just, just knowing that the sheep can hear the voice of the Lord and distinguish between, this is the voice of, of my shepherd, of my master, of my Lord, and this is the voice of the stranger. That's because they have yada with, Lord, with God. They are intimate with God. Okay, so now we, I would like to talk about the third person of the Trinity. We have the Father. Now we have the Son living there with them. But God is like, that's not enough. I want to live in them. I want to be one with them, with my people. And now he's expanding the borders. He's saying it's not just for Israel, but it's also for those sheep that are not from Israel. That's right. Amen. We go to Acts chapter 19. And this is the main verse that I would like to unpack today. I think that if you were following me, understanding the concepts of Yada and the concept of Ginosko, I think that uh, this is going to be very rewarding, this portion that we're going to read. Because if you have that in the back of your mind, this verse is going to have a deeper meaning and you will leave this place with a deeper understanding of how much we can be close to God through the Holy Spirit. So obviously the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. We have the moment of Pentecost. Now Acts, it's a, it's a book primarily of the things that the church is doing. The things that they're doing in the spirit. People, you know, they're preaching the gospel. People are coming to the faith. They're, you know, receiving the Holy Spirit. There are miracles. There are uh, jailbreaks, right? Because we have stories of Paul singing, singing. And then an angel will come and open the doors of of jail and and they will all escape and or, well they didn't they didn't escape the soldier is like oh no i'm in trouble and then Paul's like chill i'm here <laughs> so even the soldier comes to to the realization that god is true i mean these guys are experiencing the supernatural but i would like to suggest that the reason they are experiencing the supernatural in their lives is because they don't have time for any other god or any other thing in this world the only thing that they care is about their relationship their yada with Christ Jesus through the holy spirit that is the key to the supernatural because when your identity is firm in Jesus Christ you lose the appetite for everything else in this world 
And when your appetite is all about Jesus, you start consuming more of him and he becomes your spiritual manna. And the more you eat the spiritual manna, just like in the body, what is true in the physical, it's also true in the spiritual. Your spirit becomes stronger. It becomes, it has more authority. It becomes more aware of the power of he who lives in you. Yes. And when we get to uh, Paul, I, I really like this character because he starts as a murderer. This is someone who had the simple version of Yada and Gnosko, which is simply to know. He knew about God. He had read the law. He knew all of that. And because he thought he was right, he was persecuting these heretics. And the heretics were the Christians, the followers of the way. But every person has a moment with God. And that's what happened to Paul. And he accepted it, right? He had the moment with Jesus. He sees him and he's blinded. And then he follows the instructions of God in Acts chapter 9. He later receives sight. And what I like about Acts is that Acts tells you what, what he went through. It was a process. This is the guy who had, remember, Tarsus. He's from Tarsus. He's from Antioch. These are the cities where you get your PhDs. These are well-educated cities. And he even says, all that that I learned means nothing. This is what I want, Jesus. And he went through a process with the disciples. He grows with them. Uh, we start at the beginning with Acts 9 and so on. We see him preaching and doing all those things. And then all of a sudden, we start seeing that he's also doing the miraculous. So he went from preaching and also living in the miraculous. And then we get to a point here in chapter 19 when we're in Ephesus. Paul has been doing ministry for a while. I think we, it's fair to say that he has a lot of yada with God. He's been very intimate with God. And his identity has been very solid. And look at the crazy things for us, right, as human beings, the crazy things that were taking place in this time. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Wow. So Paul is literally being like Jesus. He's not a savior. He's not any of that, right? But he, is, he has such an intimacy with him that he is starting to look more and more like Jesus in the supernatural as well. So that is our example, right? That's the, that's a, I think that's the climax of this man, of how much he's being used by the Lord. But now let's turn to what happens when we do not have yada with God, when we don't have intimacy with him, when we are too comfortable just listening to a message on Sunday and coming on Wednesday, but we don't do anything else throughout the week, and we're not investing in him. This is what could happen. In verse 13, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, check this out, check this out. In the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Doesn't sound like these guys know Jesus. It doesn't sound like these guys have intimacy with him. This is like saying, in the name of the Jesus that Pastor Matt preaches, come out. I don't think that's going to work, right? I don't think that's, that implies that you know him. I mean, it's kind of like cheating almost, right? You're taking someone else's uh, dedication and yada with God, and you're trying to pull it from there and use it for your own benefit. But God is inviting us to us 
have that intimacy so we can go out there and have authority over the kingdom of darkness. So now let's go to 14. Seven sons of Shiva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them. Ooh, I love this. Jesus, I know. Let me pause here. The word here is ginosko, which means how does the demon know Jesus? I would like to propose two theories. Number one, at the beginning, right, eternity passed. At some point, they were in heaven. They knew about Jesus. They were cast down to the earth. And then the second option could be the kingdom of God had arrived, and he was destroying the enemy's plans. So definitely he had a reputation in the kingdom of darkness. So that's the word, ginosko. And Paul, this is, again, the the demon, Paul, I know about. If we look at the Greek word, it's a different word. It could be translated as known, but it's episteme. And what that means is that Paul, if if we want to use it in, like it's usually translated, it's Paul, I recognize. What do you think the demons recognize, Paul? (laughs) Because he had intimacy. He had power. He had authority. And the demons were like, oh, Jesus, I know him. Paul, I recognize him. But look at what happens next. But who are you? Who, Who are you? What kind of authority do you have? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on him down and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. But hey, God is so good that there's, he can use those things in his favor. In 17, we, when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was, was held in high honor. I wanted to leave it on a positive note, but I want to go back to the sons of Shiva. We see here that these guys are trying to steal authority from someone who has spent time with the Lord. These guys are trying to have the same privileges without paying the price. You see, we started from God's perspective. He wants to know you. We have the Father, right? He said, I want, I'm intimate with Israel. You have Jesus, who, said, who is like Jesus dwelling with his people. But now the Holy Spirit is even further. He wants to be in you and be one. And if you look at the end of times, we're going back to that yada like we had in Eden, in, in the Garden of Eden, right? We're going to be one with him again. We're going to have that intimacy with him. But what we see here is the opposite. What happens when us, we don't respond to that call. We don't respond to being known by God. Because the, he knows you, but the question is, do you know your God? Do you know the power that he has? Do you know everything that he has accomplished? Do you know that there is certainty in him, that there is truth, that there is everything that we could ever aspire to do or have in him? Do you know your God and he who lives in you? And the point that I wanted, some of the things that I would like to point out of this verse, if you were, again, following me, is that the way to overcome in the kingdom of darkness It's not to manage sin. It's not to necessarily go through different billions of steps to be set free from something, although some programs are helpful. I'm not trying to bash on them. 
But the key for us to overcome the kingdom of darkness is more of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. The way for us to overcome the kingdom of darkness is more of Jesus. In fact, he says in his prayer, in the Lord's prayer, give us our daily bread. If we're not eating from him, from the source, every day, we are malnourished. We won't have the tools to overcome the kingdom of darkness. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 that, our, that if, you are, if you love God, then you are known by him. What does it mean to, know, to love God? Jesus said, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. So if we're also walking in disobedience, we don't know who God is. I invite you today, reestablish your relationship with him. Now, I know I talked about the supernatural. I believe in the supernatural. I have seen many miracles and many things in my life. But I also want to give you a, a, a warning here. Your reward is not the miraculous. Your reward is Jesus. Jesus said also in Scripture that there were these guys that came to him and said, Oh, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we do all these miracles in your name? And we did amazing things. And he said, Depart from me. I never knew you. Ginosko, you. Isn't that awesome? The supernatural will come. Overcoming will come. But your reward is never the solution or the response or whatever. That Your reward is Christ Jesus himself. And you might be here in this room right now thinking, all right, yada, ginosko. What is that trying to say? Well, I want to be very practical and I want to share a few things. A few uh, ideas, a few uh, maybe testimonies of the practicality of yada, of being intimate with Christ Jesus. Because the enemy has weapons, if you didn't know this, that have your name on them. The enemy has weapons and things that have been forged against you, says Scripture. And they're coming against your family, against your business. But I'm going to tell you today how to overcome. Here we go, some testimonies. There's a pastor that uh, is in, he's an EPC pastor, he's in the uh, uh, north I don't want to say the state. Maybe you know him. <laughs> he was uh, teaching in seminary. I'm in seminary right now. He was sharing his testimony. Very successful church. Amazing program. Amazing things. At the age of 40-some, he confessed you know, with, he, to us that he started enjoying wine too much. And he was enjoying it too much to the extent that it, was, it created a dependency on him. And then he said, you know, through the work of his wife confronting him, he realized, he realized that, that the way to overcome was to go back to what he was doing before. Seeking the Lord, reading scripture, having godly relationship, doing practical things that can keep us away from sinning. He was, he was prioritizing his yada with God, his intimacy. What happened? He overcame. He was set free. And now today, what the enemy meant for evil and to destroy him, he's using it as a testimony, setting other people free. Ain't that awesome? So what the enemy tried to do to destroy you now becomes your new weapon to bring chaos to hell. Let me ask you this. Don't you want to be recognized by Jesus, obviously, but don't you want to be recognized in the kingdom of darkness? Don't you want the devils to say, 
Ah, here comes Pastor Matt again. Oh, my goodness. All right, see you guys. Uh, He's going to be set free. I'm done. Right? Don't you want to be maybe like, you know, some of our amazing elders here that, you know, that when they come to a a room that it seems dark and gloomy and the enemy's like, ha, we got them right where their eyes are like, no, they're coming. No, uh, let's let's try to do something else. Uh, Who can we hurt this week? (laughs) Right? Because you have so much authority and so much understanding of your identity in him. Let me share another testimony. There's a a family member um, that she went through a lot in her childhood. She had experienced abuses at, uh, at home. She had experienced a lot of things. And this family member has struggled so much and she didn't understand why. She went to a psychologist, in, I think she was in her 40s uh, when this happened. And when she was, uh, she, all, look at all those years that she spent struggling. She went to the psychologist or whoever does the diagnosis and they said, well, you, you are, well, you, honey, you are, you, you are bipolar. That's what they said. That was a diagnosis. She gets medication, right? She's going through the process. But one day, God spoke to her through a message. And she said, I'm going to choose to believe the truth. And she started proclaiming the truth to herself, forgiven people who have hurt her. She said goodbye to things about her personality that she always said, well, I'm always like this. And she said, no more of those excuses. God, you're going to change even my personality if you have to. You're going to change everything about me. And then eventually she got, the, she got to that point where she said, I'm not going to use any more pills. And let me tell you, this person is so intimate. And I can tell you today that there is no sign of being bipolar in, my, in this family member because she understood her, her, that her relationship was going to set her free that her God was going to set her free and what the world meant to as a a diagnosis which is fair I understand science is great she said no I'm choosing to believe the truth and she was set free and it's been many years she hasn't been struggling with that anymore and I praise the Lord for that and I'm going to end with this story and maybe uh, as William and and the worship team they they start you know preparing for the um, for the response I want to I want to share this last story There was a, uh, a friend of mine in college, we met in college, and uh, in our intimacy, right, we were friends, we, we share hearts and whatnot. He was telling me, you know, he was a believer, he knew God, uh, he comes from a family that, you know, loved God and so on. And this friend of mine, we were just, you know, we started as every other relationship, it's fun, it's great, but then you have those moments when we... We share hearts, right? We share, it's a heart to heart. And this friend of mine said, you know, I feel like a hypocrite. And I was like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? I mean, you, you're doing great. And he said, well, not many people know this, but I've been, I've been really struggling with pornography for two or three years now. Like, I do it almost every day. I am dependent on it. Like, I literally, if I, want, if I am too, uh, if I'm stressing out over exams or whatever, uh, that's what I do. That's what I do. Hmm. I said, okay. But then what I like about, and at that time, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know all what, what I could say because, you know, I was still growing in my faith. I said, man, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we want to say something, but you don't know what to do. Uh, I'm going to pray for you, brother. 
I love you, and we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. But this friend of mine, later, he, um, he told me, you know, this is, this is not the way. And I'm choosing to believe God. And he started seeking the Lord. He literally stopped uh, interacting on Facebook and all these other platforms. It was just studying and at night spending even hours in the middle of the night with the Lord. That's, that's all he did. That's all he did. I said, I'm going to choose to believe it. I'm going to choose to believe it. Hey, man, how are things going? Man, I, have a, I had experiences with God yesterday, but I still want to go deeper. I still want more of him. And he kept going through that. And then my friend had an encounter with the Lord. In his, it was his sophomore year, and he, was, uh, he had an encounter with the Lord where the Lord visited him. And the Lord literally, it, he could, like, just like, the, like what Pastor Matt said, the, the, when they were, the, these two men that were walking with Jesus and their hearts were burning, he was explaining the same thing. My heart was burning. My body got warm. I just felt like something left me. There's no more burdens. I feel accepted. I feel loved. And I think God has shown, he's given me a new vision, a new understanding. I think he even gave me some gifts, and I want to share those with the church. And that was, that's what was happening with my friend. And I was just like, yes, Lord. Set him free. He kept growing. And then he said, I need to, I feel like God is calling me to do ministry. I was like, okay, well, this, this is going too quickly, all right? You, you just got delivered, all right? Let's, let's, let's talk about this one. He said, no, I think God is calling me to do ministry, and I, and I want to accept it. I knew it's been for a while. I don't want to do this. I was like, all right, we'll keep growing. And, you know, we kept in touch. We talked. And, uh, and he said that, uh, you know, that he was growing in his identity. You know, he was just amazing. It was a yada moment, really, very intimate. To be honest, I lost contact with my friend uh, for a couple of years. Didn't get to talk to him again. But, um, but I would say this. Recently, I reached out to him again. And I asked him, because as I was preparing for this message, I reached out to him and I asked him, Hey, man, how are things going? I said, hey, man, God is good. I don't have all these dirty thoughts. I don't have this lust anymore. I can see at women and see them clean, see them how, how they are. And I said, that's great. What else is going on? Well, I got married. I got a little boy. He's amazing. And then I asked him, what are you doing? I'm currently doing what God has called me to do at a small church in Florence, South Carolina, as a youth pastor at Trinity Evangelical Presbyterian Church. <laughs> that is the power of God. That is the power of God. But don't manage sin. Science is great, but your first authority is Christ. There's people in this room, and as the elders, we start preparing to pray for the people. Uh, they're going to stand around the, you know, the sanctuary. There's people here, number one, that maybe you're not known by God because simply you haven't made a decision. Your decision of believing in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You cannot be part of the spiritual Israel. You cannot be known by Him in that intimate level until you come to Him. He loves you. He will forgive you. I would like for you to experience Yada starting today. There are other people in this room who you know you're right there, just like the sons of Shiva, right? If it wasn't for God, you would feel like it's too much for you. But God is saying, look at me. I will give you the power. I will give you the authority to overcome this. The enemy will not destroy you. 
And you will not be beaten, and you will be left naked and bleeding like the sons of Sheba. I will not allow that. But come and eat from me, and let the fruit of the Spirit in you, what I have planted in you, all those fruits come out and bless others. Maybe there's people here that have problems at home, maybe a son or a daughter that doesn't talk to you anymore. And maybe you've been trying to do things in the flesh, but God is saying today, come to me and I'll give you wisdom. Come to me and I'll tell you how to overcome the enemy. There might be students here that feel like your identity depends on your grades. Uh, maybe students that are here that, depend, that think that being cool with other friends is the way to go. But God is saying today, come and eat from me. Have yada with me. I will set you free from all of that. Because you're not a letter grade. You're not a score. You are who you say I am. If this is you today and you want to respond, and maybe you've been a Christian for many years, but you don't remember the last time you had yada with him, I want to ask you to consider to come to one of these folks. They have authority. They walk with the Lord. And let them pray for you. There's no shame, no condemnation. We sometimes need help. And let him today bring you to his yada, a place of intimacy. Get to know him. Madly in love with him. There's nothing 